everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Coco and Dogs. We're real people bringing you real reviews of all the latest streaming movies and series on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Disney Plus. And what are we reviewing today, Daltz? I'm oh, not Coco. That's right. I'm not Daltz. See, I've, you're out of practice. I know. I gave Daltz all the hell for the past like three episodes because he forgot to do it, and now I forgot to do it. So, sorry, Daltz. You were influenced by my brilliance. That's true. Every day of my life. <laughs> and so, welcome, listener, to this Boxing Day edition of the Coco and Dolts podcast. Uh, on this particular episode, we are talking about the midnight sky. Da, da, da. And not actually in an abstract way, we're talking about the movie. The Netflix oh. movie starring David Letterman as <laughs> an aging scientist stuck in the Arctic waiting for the uh, space ship, space station to come and rescue him. That's essentially what it is. Are, are they supposed to rescue him now? No, but I think he has hope. Oh, oh, oh okay. So what do, you, what do you think it is then? <laughs> I was supposed to do the summary, but... Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. No, but we I can, mean, is can... it up for debate or... I didn't think he was waiting for them to rescue him, though. I thought he just wanted to make sure the mission was successful and they were able to not come back to Earth. Okay. So it's about David Letterman, and he's an aging scientist warning, warning off the space station that's coming back to Earth from a distant Jupiter moon. And Earth, in, in, the, in the meantime, has done something to itself and irradiated it itself uh, <laughs> to a terrible uh, uh, aspect. And so um, I don't know if I've really done a good job on this summary, actually. <laughs> you were really gung-ho about doing I the summary. See, I wanted to get my David Letterman joke in, <laughs> and I was so concentrated on that that I didn't really pay much attention to the summary. So it's a science fiction flick, and it's actually George Clooney, but he looks a lot like David Letterman. He does. He has the big old fluffy Letterman beard. Like today's version yeah. of David Letterman with the white beard and the sort of thin on top. Um so, Coco, uh, what did you think of this movie? Please help save this podcast. <laughs> so, um, uh, wow. Well, I didn't figure you were going to hand it off to me so quickly. So, do you, <laughs> I could talk some more in gibberish if you want me to. Do you want me to finish the summary or just give you my feedback? <laughs> yeah. Well, give a little bit more of the summary then. Okay. So, Clooney is an aging scientist. He's at a base in the Arctic Circle trying to communicate with these five astronauts who are coming back from the distant moon of Jupiter, which they are trying to determine is it you know, inhabitable because humans have effed up this planet. So we need to go find a home for ourselves. It's clearly way into the science fiction. You know, yeah. this is no way and this is never going to happen. Yeah, because we suck. So um, <laughs> so the movie is like half Clooney's adventures in the Arctic Circle and half the astronauts trying to make it back from Jupiter. And I, it was fine. I didn't hate it, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't. Despite the summary, there really wasn't like a whole lot going on. Mm -hmm. um, it was just okay. It was kind of boring for stretches. Like <laughs> yeah. I didn't really care about Clooney. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't like the most entertaining part of it was the longest stretch without Clooney where it's just the astronauts and they're dodging asteroids in space mm -hmm. and they have to do a spacewalk. Mm -hmm. um, it felt a lot like Away, yeah. which we just saw yeah. three or four months ago. Um, I was thinking it was kind of like a Way meets Ad Astra. 
Yeah, it had I can that kind of like you know Ad Astra where they have to go to the distant uh, you know Neptune Neptune in the yeah. solar system, and then they're trying to figure out what to do with Earth and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So it had a lot of that, and of course, George Clooney and Brad Pitt are buddies, <laughs> and so maybe this was like George Clooney's Ad Astra, but mm-hmm. um, but not as well done, not as well done, not as not as tense. I agree with you; it dragged on quite a bit, and, and it was only two hours long. And it was so only it, two hours. It's yeah. not like it was a three-hour-long movie, and we were just like, "Oh Christ, is this thing ever going to?" And it's, it was only two hours long. It felt every bit of its one hour and 58 minutes. Like it was, the dura- the duration was just hard uh, to fathom. And it really, it really had a tough time, I think, deciding what kind of a movie it wanted to be. Like, mm-hmm. did it want to be this story of a man lonely and his broken dreams in the Arctic Circle all by himself? Uh, I don't know if we mentioned that, but, you know, Earth had evacuated a lot of the people from uh, the troubled or from the troubled zones into different zones on Earth. And the Arctic Circle was this one base where everybody left except George Clooney because he was uh, he had cancer, terminal cancer by the sounds of it. We never really got clarification on that. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff that remained murky. Yeah. Yeah. So he's by himself and it, it, it sort of started off, I, th- I thought it started off really well and it was interesting. There's this guy by himself and he's on Earth and he feels very alone. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of questioning, you know, in this time, especially now we're in the pandemic, it had a lot of relevance. It's like there's a lot of people out there eating their, you know, frozen dinners. <laughs> and their cereal. And their cereal and, you know, like uh, at the table by themselves looking out the window, which is what how this movie starts. And so I thought there was a lot of things we could relate to on that, but it just didn't, it didn't really go very far for me. I thought George Clooney was pretty good, actually. This is the first movie, as we were talking about uh, while we were watching it, this is the first movie he's done in five years, which is amazing because he wanted to uh, raise his uh, twins, I, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he, you know, I like George Clooney. I think I like him a lot more than you do. Um, <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Um, I, I liked him until he like sold out and became a fame whore and had his tequila brand sponsor his wedding. <laughs> and yeah. So. so wait a minute. You're telling me that if a tequila brand came to you and said, I'm going to sponsor your wedding, you would turn it down? I would not, but I also am not somebody who always talks about how I want to be private. And then here I am, all my famous wedding guests are riding in gondolas down the canals in Venice and the paparazzi are overhead taking their pictures and that's not remotely private. Right, exactly. It's kind of hard to lead a private life if if your chosen uh, profession is celebrity. Right. Yeah, so I I think it, uh, it, did it want to be that movie of, you know, man questioning solitude and existence uh, versus the super spectacular space sta- space station uh, fighting for survival on its way back to earth like it just it didn't seem like there was the long stretches you said that you really liked it felt like a different movie to me it didn't yeah, feel it like did. they were connected it no. felt like george clooney's part on earth even though there was a connection in the story and this is based on a a book by uh, Lily Brooks Dalton, no relation, by the way. Um, and uh, it, fe- it it probably feels a lot better as a book yeah. than it does as a movie. And the mm-hmm. movie just felt like two separate stories. Yeah, and the way the two stories, there's two ways the two stories are connected. And the second way was just completely obvious to me right. from the yeah. very beginning. I You totally called it. I saw that plot twist coming from... A mile away. Um, I also saw the other plot twist of the young child. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew who that was mm-hmm. immediately. Like oh, did you really? Yeah, I totally knew yeah. who that was. I knew she wasn't real. Um, right. Yeah. There's a character who's a figment of Clooney's imagination, and she's basically a device to give Clooney somebody to interact with because 
a character is going to be a lot more sympathetic protecting a small child than right. just shuffling around an abandoned research facility, eating cereal and... Looking like David Letterman. Yeah, looking like David Letterman. So <laughs> um, I will say, so this takes place in 2049. There's a whole lot of crazy-ass technological advances <laughs> that apparently happen in the next 30 years yeah. to allow humanity to go to Jupiter and back. Um, I will not comment on that specific part of the realism or lack thereof, though. What I will comment on is, so Clooney has to get from his research station that he starts at <laughs> to a separate research station because he's trying to communicate with this spaceship. And the satellite dish at the station he starts at is not big enough for the signal to reach into space to alert the astronauts as to what's happening on Earth. So he has to trek across the Arctic to this separate station that has apparently the mother of all satellite dishes. Mm -hmm. And somehow he manages to do that. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't freeze, even though he falls into the Arctic Ocean at some point and right. does not like immediately die of hypothermia as yeah. soon as he comes out of the water. Yeah. So I question that because it's, it, I think it takes something like 45 seconds to... Like it's some incredibly quick amount of time before you're in the water and you're dead. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, this is not very pleasant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, no, I need to save my motor. Like I understand why he was doing it. Like his motorbike fell through the mm -hmm. uh, ice. That and would be a snowmobile. Actually. Snowmobile. Sorry. Yeah. It fell through the ice. And then it also had like his like chemo mm -hmm. stash on there because mm -hmm. he's given himself transfusions because nobody else can do it. So I understand why he did that. But I'm like, no, he's been underwater for like five minutes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. that's. So and then he comes out of that, and then they go into like uh, it becomes dawn, uh, dusk, I should say. Yeah. So the sun is going down, and he's he's Soaking just been wet. submerged in yeah. in chilly, chilly water. Right. Absolute zero water. And they don't have a fire going or anything right. like that. So like I don't know. I just didn't buy that part of it at all. Yeah, it was, you know, like I said, <laughs> leaving aside the fact that in 30 years, we're going to be sending people right. to Jupiter. Like, right. that's an extremely unrealistic part of this story. So. But when you think about it, not to be all ho holy pokey in your story there, but when you think about what we've done in the last 30 years compared to, you know, the, the developments and the internet and cell phones and all that sort of thing, like 30 years ago is 1990. Yeah. So you think a lot of things have happened in 30 years. So it's not... That's true. It's not a huge leap, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, we're not going to Jupiter and back. We can barely get our own planet in order here. We can't even get to the moon. Like, right. You know? <laughs> right. Like, we can't even get to the moon. How are we going to get to Jupiter? Yeah. So... Well, and Coco believes that we have not yet been to the moon, so... Which I've expanded on in previous podcasts, mm -hmm. so please find those. Just a reminder. Yeah. So uh, much ado about nothing because this, uh, as we're recording this podcast, uh, this is the number one movie on Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just, um, I'm thinking maybe you should watch like Trailer Park Boys instead or something like that because it's just <laughs> not, I don't know. I, I like George Clooney. I really wanted to like this. I thought it was his, uh, his Ad Astra, but it didn't really, it didn't live up to that at all. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't hate it but yeah. i'd give it like a c yeah it was fine i'm glad it was only two hours right. I, don't, I don't need to watch it again yeah like the big twists were telegraphed from the very beginning like when i can see the big twist coming <laughs> like sometimes i can't even remember my own name and <laughs> and yet i could see those twists coming and halfway through the movie Daltz was like oh i hope this bad thing doesn't happen to this character and i'm like well clearly it's not gonna because of her relation to this other character and he was like Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally didn't get you were it was telegraphed for you completely. I'm sitting there going, huh, 
I wonder what's the connection between those two people. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the clues had been pre- presented in the back flat and the flashbacks and everything like that. So that's just me being stupid and you being smart. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say maybe like uh, one solar panel up. I mean, oh, okay. you know, not uh, not tremendous, but not awful either. And it got like a, f- it, it's getting middling reviews right now. And yeah, middling to bad. Middling yeah. to bad and IMDb and uh, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, like sort of a 50% kind of range in terms of how good it is and how much people like it. So uh, if you like George Clooney, it's fine. George Clooney, I thought, was pretty good in this. I thought he acted pretty well in this. Um, but uh, maybe he was just pretending to be David Letterman and he was sort of like method acting. <laughs> you're you're riding that Letterman pony. For I, like the, I, would, I couldn't shake it. The whole time I'm watching the movie, I was like, that's David Letterman. That is legit the very first thing he said. Like as soon as like the opening credits like came up and we saw Clooney with that beard, <laughs> Daltz was like, what's Letterman doing in this movie? <laughs> I thought this was a George Clooney movie. Right. By the way, George Clooney also directed it. um, And it was a little bit uh, irregularly directed. Let's say that. Yeah, I can can see that. Yeah. I'd give it like a C. C C. minus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It was fine. I don't need to watch it again. Right. I might read the book, though, because I think the book would probably be better. I, the only review I read of it. Um, just because I wanted to make sure there was nothing that I missed in the movie. Like there wasn't something that I just completely didn't pick up on or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, did kind of say like, this is a sort of movie that should be watched, you know, in a theater on an 80 foot tall screen. And oh, I yeah. was like, yeah, you know what? I mean, I can see that for the effects, but at the same time, I'm fine with being at my couch. Yeah, you know, right. I don't, I didn't need to pay 15 bucks to go see this. Well, we have a fairly decent sized TV, so we were able to see the special effects and everything like that pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that's true. I, the thing I was most disappointed about when I was looking for the uh, Brad Pitt uh, Ad Astra comparison is that there was no angry Space Bojo in this movie. Yeah. And yeah. that was disappointing. On the one hand, angry Space Monkeys add to movies. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, humans. Like I said, we suck. We don't need to be taking monkeys into space and experimenting on them. Exactly. Be be better. Be better people. Be best, as Melania says. Well, and speaking of better, we're better than ever, listener. So keep downloading, keep liking, keep visiting our website and checking us out because we got lots of podcasts. That we do. And so for another episode of the Coco and Dolls podcast, I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dolls.